On this podcast, two young travelers, Alex Dethrow and Jesse Lanier, will be going on a journey to find the greatest cinematic treasures. Each week, they spin the wheel of fate and allow destiny to decide whether the next few hours will be filled with genius and wonder or boredom and mediocrity. Our heroes hope to unbury hidden gems and share the discoveries with the world through humble conversations and maybe, if they're lucky, better themselves along the way. So welcome, one and all, to The Movie Quest. Quest, uh, TMQ. My name Straight is up. Jesse. I'm here, here with here with my friend Alex. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, Alex. Today is episode 17, and we're talking about really? another Michael Mann yeah. movie. Okay. Yes, episode 17, um, cool. and we're talking about an, uh, uh, Michael Mann's third film, yes. Manhunter. Manhunter, yes. yes Made in 1986. And then followed by Last of the Mohicans and oh, yeah. Heat, which is pretty oh, impressive. Fuck, man. I'm going to the Insider after Heat, because I've not seen that, but I've heard that movie's great also. Yeah. That's with uh, yeah, Russell so the... Crowe and Al Pacino, I think, from that movie. Yeah. Oh, again. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't know what the situation, like the, the popularity, I don't think this was a big hit. I think this was kind of like a lukewarm kind of movie. Like there was some respect that. for it. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't like something that exploded, and so this yeah. was this was still kind of like a finding the footing, finding the groove. Which is not to say I think this movie's pretty cool, but like it's definitely was the step towards the Last of the Mohican yeah, and right. Heat, which were his big right. things that made yeah. him yeah, yeah, more yeah, yeah, yeah. household yeah. name I was status. Say, like, what, I was gonna ask you like what this did like box office wise. Cause I know Last of the Mohicans was like a hit. I know that really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't I don't think that this was this was as much of a hit because it's yeah. um it's kind of weird. Uh yeah. it's kinda of, it's kinda of, it, it's kind of more a, vibey. Like a time. Um Yeah. Yeah. I so I've seen this movie before. Um and I I I don't know what it was. The first time I liked it. I I think it's really Fucking, I think it's really cool as fuck, dude. I love this yeah. movie. I think this movie is like absolutely like actually kind of fascinating to watch now because I think I'm just gonna come out and say it. I don't know if like Fincher's David Fincher has said anything. This might be just the precursor to like Seven, uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, not just in the look of it. Especially how it's edited, the the darkness, the the. So the one thing I do know about this movie is that this was pretty disturbing for audiences. And this came out in nineteen eighty six. This is a pretty disturbing movie, and you have mm-hmm. to think about also, this is in the eighties, and like you know, like 
and which is interesting because seven was that for the nineties, right? That was like when mm -hmm. seven came out, people were like, which is up and... so many, so much more tears of disturbing than yes, than Manhunter from our yeah, context. Totally, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think you're you're right about but, this. Yeah, this was so like rewatching this and kind of I was reminded of like how kind of dark this movie gets, but not just like of the content, but also like thematically dark it kind of is, and like how just like um I don't know, just this um dark kids uh thing that, that this movie has is like I just feel like it's weird that this came out in the 80s. It's, it's funny because it's one of the most 80s movies I've ever seen. Yeah. But also, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's also yeah. like so much like uh, better looking and sleek looking than a lot of 80s movies. It just has this like, um, it feels like if someone told me that this came out in 1978, I would believe you. More so than like 1986. Um, yeah. But uh, I think that this movie is so vibey and so fun to watch. And, like, I just think, look, I get the same satisfaction of this movie that I do in, like, Seven. I'm not saying Seven. Seven's a better movie than Manhunter. But Manhunter, I just really, I, I responded to the first time I watched it, the look of this movie, like, a lot. I was like, this is one of the coolest looking movies like I've ever seen, like in this vein, like of this yeah. detective serial killer movie. But I don't know. The second time I was like, this movie is there are so many choices that Michael Mann and the the cinematographer made that make no sense, like in terms of like <laughs> the world. But it is so fucking vibey and cool. Like for example, the green fucking tins light coming from the window. Yeah. You're like, dude, yeah. what in the hell? Like, you know, like, it's so, but it's so aesthetically cool. It's like the definition of, like, a neo-noir. You know, like, this came out, like, the 80s, and it literally has, like, neon tins lighting. Like, when they're, in the beginning, when they're, like, when Graham is about to, like, leave his wife and go on this, uh, you know, on the on the investigation, the room, they're just pumping a neon blue fucking, it's the whole thing is blue. Like, the, the everything. Yeah. And I just love the look of this movie so much. And not just, like, the cinematography. I think the compositions, if you compare this to Thief, which, like, I like Thief a lot, but, like, the, the compositions are, you can tell that it's very much, like, his first movie, he's figuring out, this movie feels so tight and so precise in the way that it's, like, edited. And it's very similar to, like, Seven in that way. I don't know. I just think... I'm sure Fincher thought this movie was really cool uh, when, it, when it came yeah. out. And he really liked it. Um, yeah. That's 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 all that's all really super. I I agree with like all of that, and especially the idea of comparing it to like the neo noir genre. Yeah. Because I was thinking how it was like it, it feels like a proto film, like a film figuring out like these steps that that kind of split in two directions that like Science of the Lamb took. And then I was also really thinking about Drive well, with like the visual aesthetic of something we, like that, which we, I we love. Go, that. Yeah, totally. But before we go into the next of this. So you said Silence of the Lambs. So this movie's based on 
Red Dragon. Right. Which, um, I don't know this is good to talk much about, about the, 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 the history. So, the Hannibal Lecter, you know, lore and the, and the, the, the things that have <laughs> the been, story lore. Well, the things that have been adapted with Hannibal Lecter in it long list of them. So, they made this movie, Sounds of the Lambs, to my knowledge. Sounds of the Lambs, Red Dragon. They they named Red Dragon in two thousand three. They actually did. Yeah. Oh, okay. A movie called Red Dragon, um, and then they huh. made a sequel with that called Hannibal, uh, that is all stars Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Um, then they made a TV series called Hannibal, starring Matt Nicholson that I know has a pretty good cult following and uh, was pretty like I think they did like three to four seasons of it and people were fucking mad when it got cancelled. I remember like people were fucking yeah. pissed. Um so apparently that show was really cool and it had like a pretty cool thing. Matt Nicholson's one of the best actors in the world, so I'm actually very yeah. curious to see how he played Hannibal Lecter and how I've seen some of the did. series and it's and it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah a pretty cool it's a pretty cool series. But so a lot of adaptations, I think this might be the first one, um, based yes. on the movie, based on Red Dragon, and that's another thing that's fascinating to watch this because you have things like Sounds of the Lambs, and honestly, like, comparing Sounds of the Lambs and Manhunter, I think it's, like, interesting in parts, but I do think Manhunter is, like, a completely different movie, like, it goes for, like, a different vibe and a very much, like, different, um, it's kind of hard for me to compare the two. There's like scenes where you compare the two, like interrogation scene, you know, obviously, and Sounds of the Lambs, and then the interrogation scene of this when he's confronting Hannibal Lecter literally in a jail cell, you know, and yeah. you can compare those. But I think it's kind of like, well, they're both, to me, they're both great. They're both like distinct, and they're both like different vibes that it's like, um, I don't really think it's like that interesting to like really compare the two. But it is, it, it's, it exists. There's a lot of things that exist with Hannibal Lecter in it, you know? Yeah, and this this one, this one's, from, from a story perspective, this is also interesting because this one is a prequel to the events of the Science right, of the Lambs. Exactly. Pretty sure. Right, right. And then it's, but it's a sequel to the series of Hannibal. This happens after all the events of the Hannibal series, but oh, it has okay, the same true. main so character Hannibal is like, from the series. A, he's a professor, right? Or a teacher, or a... Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So yes. Yeah, so, based the series is up to the point where Will Graham Will, figures Will, out that Hannibal, yeah, the psychiatrist, right. is the is the is the murderer, right. is the cannibal right. that they've been, they've been, they've been after, which is which is pretty interesting. Sounds of the Lambs. Was Sounds of the Lambs a book? Uh, uh, I don't Sounds know about that. Based on. I think it was based on another series book in this series. Okay, I'm not familiar okay, with okay, the book okay, series. Okay. I'm just familiar with the adaptation. Yeah. Of these stories, but if anything, so like we should, we, I wish I seen Red Dragon because that would be the more terrible comparison, I think, on a story level, you know, like because right. they adapted the same book. I'd like to see what right. you know, they did with that, but. What I would what I would say in terms of comparing it, I agree with you because they're the what they're functioning and what they're doing is so different. Yeah. Like talking, there's there's small points of comparison you can really make. Yeah. But what is interesting about bringing Silence of the Lambs into it is that so from my perspective, this whole genre, like de- detective right. investigation, all has its ancestries based 
in film noir. Good right. Noir, it's yeah. it's using things of those ar- archetypes. Yeah. What Silence of the Lambs did that was so successful was that it took that archetype, got modern filming, and it took slasher and horror right, techniques right, right. to make this really compelling plot-driven investigation. And that's also right. kind of what we have that take in the Hannibal show. It takes yeah. a very similar route in a yeah. TV form. Right. Manhunter goes in a different direction. Yeah. Manhunter goes in more of like the aesthetic neon, neo-noir stuff, totally. almost stuff that you see in the, the, the Blade Runner type of thing, right. which I was really into that. Yeah, but I can see why Silence of the Lamb got more of an audience yeah, reaction sure, to yeah, it, why sure, it was yeah. more yeah. it clicked with something. Also, yeah. because I think if Manhunter came out after, uh, like, was was came out after Drive when it kind of had that information plus yeah, the context. Right. Like I think if a movie like this was made now, it would be very successful. It'd yeah, be very totally, cool. Yeah. Well, that's what's because, cool about be- it, right? It's almost like this. Uh, a lot of there, you know, and we'll, we'll see how these ideas in it. You know, there there is mm-hmm. like there looks like a yeah, it did. You know, so like he was. I don't know. I never really. Um, you know, it kind of evolved into he, which is like this, you know, masterpiece of a. Yes, yeah, so like a, like a look, but like even just like the look of it, it is so like it's one of the most like elegant looking, you know, big you know bank heist blockbusters ever made. It's so beautiful that movie, like unnecessarily yeah. beautiful. You know, there's yeah, you know, um, and I feel that way about this movie. It's like there's so many like incredible, incredible shots and, and sequences in this movie, like on a visual perspective, but also. I thought the story of Manhunter to totally fun and totally like Yeah, worked. I liked and it it's too. So like exciting and I think what makes this movie work really well, I think uh the performance by um I wanna get his name right, of um yeah, William Peterson is Will Graham. I think he's cool as fuck in this movie. I think he's I think yeah. he's awesome. Uh, and like he's so because this character is so um uh stoic, right? And like there are these one of my favorite scenes course, later in the movie, you kinda of learn why he's so kinda of stoic and kind of reserved. But that's a hard character to make appealing. That's a hard that's a hard job for an actor. To to almost be given little not a lot to work with in terms of like character. But he really makes it work. He's very fun to watch, very engaging. Yeah. His so his character who's played I think his his last name is Peterson, is the William actor's Peterson, name. Yeah. And, and he plays a character named Will Graham. It's really interesting because that was one of the things that people didn't like. They didn't like his really? performance oh, very good. much. Um really? I I'm I'm more with you. I kinda dig it. However, awesome. after seeing after seeing the Hannibal series I think that that show kind of got the neurotic character oh, that sure, they might yeah. have been writing. Sure, yeah. They kind of got that idea down better. Sure. But that being said, this actor, so this, I would say that this this guy's performance was more one dimensional in terms of how they For express sure. his yeah. internal sure. anguish. But so he kind of has like a budget Harrison Ford feel to him sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. for me, I'm kind Harrison of with Ford, you where he like. Insanely good. Now that I'm just thinking yeah. about that, holy, well, that'll be perfect. But, anyway, but but since Harrison's Ford's not in this movie, I think this guy like I think he pulls his weight fine. I, I was really cool compelled that, by his work. I also like that this movie. I, I don't know, like 
I, I like that there's no, not a lot of no-name actors in this movie. Like, I obviously mm-hmm. recognize Joan Allen, you know, obviously, who plays um, Remba, the blind, the blind uh, woman who um, okay. starts hanging out with uh, Gollerheim. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, and Brian Cox, uh, who plays mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter, who, you know, has seen absolutely tremendous success in the past, you know, four or five years with success in one of the biggest shows. Mm, yeah, yeah, right. Of course. And I can't help but watch, watch him as Hannibal Lecter. Like, like Logan Roy is Hannibal Lecter. It's like, <laughs> it's, you know, because he's so, you know, and I think Brian Cox has even said recently, like, it's, you know, that character that he plays on success in his, it's going to, that's what he's going to be known for for the rest of his career. Yeah. It doesn't, Really matter. It's like Brian Cranston, you know. It's kind of the gift and a curse yeah. to be given one of the greatest roles, and any actor can be given, right? It's like right. And the then to do down- a good job out of it. Right. <laughs> the only downside is that you're always going to be seen as. Listen, I love Brian Cranston as an actor. I can't help, but every time I watch him, probably with him in it, I'm like, there's, there's Walker White in the Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. You know, like, it's just. Yeah. And you can't help that, you know, but it's just, that's just. The, the burden of, of being such an iconic uh, actor and being in such an iconic uh, Yeah, so, but from a historical perspective... I thought he was really cool. I like how he plays Hannibal in this movie. It's cool. I, I agree, but that what all your point makes this the, the historical context of that very interesting, that yeah. performance. Because since it was the first time we saw Hannibal Lecter, that was what was so compelling about the totally, movie, yeah. you know, right. was his charisma and his in- yeah. how interesting and creepy of a character he was. But then you, for now, we have the context of Brian Cox's career. Yeah. But then we also have the context of Anthony Hopkins um, right. of right. Hannibal Lecter, yeah. which kind of creates a bit of like iconic. a you know, it's weird. I, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm watching this and I'm like, I did have a thought. I was like, I was like, it's cool to see this because. Hannibal Lecter, you know, Anthony Hopkins, I think Hannibal Lecter, he's obviously great, but it's kind of annoyingly great at this point, because he's so, it's so iconic, and like, yeah. so ingrained in culture, that it's like, it's fun to see something new, if that makes like a new yeah, interpretation I agree. of this character. There's only so many times I can see the, I ate his nigga, you know, like that, fucking, it's yeah. just like, yes. I get this. Yeah. <laughs> I get, you know, it's cool. But, uh, anyway, weird uh, little uh, fun fact kind of thing that I find annoying about Thompson Lambs. Anthony Hopkins won Best Leading Actor for Hannibal Lecter. Oh, that's and weird. What the? He's in the movie for five minutes. He's not a leading actor. Like, what do you... Yeah. If you want to... That's so Oscar weird. He's the lead of the movie. Buffalo Bill yeah. is in the movie more than fucking Hannibal Lecter. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> that's so goofy. Like, what the hell? Yeah, that's, that's a weird, that's so, a weird what thing. What I hate about that is I think Sounds of the Lambs has the record of, like, winning Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actress, and Best Actor Leading Role. You're like, that's not a leading role that he was in. That's not, yeah. He's not the lead of this movie. Like, Yeah, anyway. they push that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a... Like, but, but... politics bullshit yeah right yeah. uh but that's a really interesting thing because it's kind of like a weird political thing almost that yeah. that like jack nicholson versus heath ledger is it's just like yeah. well, come they're, on they're, man 
I, I don't like that. I, I mean, I don't really like... We're not talking about who did it better. They're both cool. Absolutely They're both not. different we're interpretations, just... you know? Yeah, the Joker that, thing is becomes... even harder, too, because for people, they don't understand. A lot of people who have car shows like that are like, bro, Tim Burton directed the first Batman movie completely fucking different tone than Christopher yeah. Nolan's The Dark Knight, you know? Like, they're they're basically two different characters at that point. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not... What you should be arguing is what was the best interpretation of the Joker, not, like, the best performance, if that makes sense, you know? It's just like... Yeah. They're both great at what they were supposed to do, you know? Like... Yeah. But anyway. it definitely puts this movie now in a very interesting context because yeah, okay. of the impact of Silence of the Lambs that yeah. people will have such a distinct reaction to seeing Hannibal Lecter yeah, referred sure. to as, as something but, like that. Where yeah, like you this... watch it now and it's so presented in like this... Yeah, it's Hannibal Lecter, you know? Like, it's, like he's not present like, you know, the introduction of Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs are like, oh my... You know, like, oh my fucking God. Well, this movie is just yeah. like a guy. He's a weird dude, yeah. but he's, you know, he's the guy to basically to get information out of, you know, like, it's like, yeah, um, but, 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 but that was a really cool performance and a really uh, important aspect of the movie because it's what got a lot of, it's what got it a lot of attention was yeah. Brian Cox's performance of, um, of Hannibal Lecter. Uh, let's see, besides, uh, moving on. From from that, I also really agree with you talking about like the cinematography yeah. being really appealing. And it, so, for one, the lighting, the cool it's, colors and stuff is great. Uh, but man, he is really good. He kind of reminds me of uh, Park Chan Wook, kind of what we were sure, talking yeah. about with just like his ability for beautiful, incredible, effective framing yeah. is really yeah. awesome. Yeah, and he great leveled in up this that, movie. that uh, that apartment in this movie for sure. I mean, like. This movie's so tight. There's so many, like, uh, awesome camera moves, too, that don't feel, um, like, silly in any way. They're just so fucking... The vibes are just fucking... They're just immaculate. They're just so, like... I just want to live in this movie. It's one of those types of movies where I just want to, like... I want to be in it, you know? You know, like, I just want to be the guy in the conference room just sitting there. Yeah, I just want to be. Yeah. I just want to be in it. It's so, <laughs> yeah, one of the sideline yeah, boys. Yeah, like I just want to be in it. Like, I feel that way about Heat. Also, like I just want to be in the bank. It's like I just want to be in this movie because it's so cool looking and, and gorgeous. And I just love how it moves. Also, you know, I yeah, just love the pace of I, it. It, it, it. And it kind of feels. Um it has that experience of just being like being this living thing that it, that exists mm-hmm. in. In total, like the whole yeah. film, it's it's a really cohesive vision of yeah. something uh, that uh, uh, is really cool. It just feels like it feels like a beast, yeah, like this, a, like a weird the, like multicolored lizard or something. The music is really really fucking cool. You know, I I, I have a really funny note. In the, in the beginning, it starts with the beginning of this is creepy as fuck. The camcorder footage and the. Uh, or not the care for it, it's the POV. Oh, yeah, that's um, a great, very Halloween Yeah, totally, absolutely. Um, but it starts with this, like, like, this, this synth chord, and I just wrote down, uh, is this Igor's theme? It, like, like it's <laughs> it sounds like the same synth code. I'm like, this is Igor's theme. 
I was just expecting the the, 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 the drugs to come in. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow, that was funny. Uh, That's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I thought the opening was super creepy. Um, and I just love the introduction. This, this movie feels, this is where it like, feels really 80s to me, where there are, like, one-liners and, like, these moments in this movie where, like, you're supposed to, like, like knock your fist and i think they like work like i think they're like really exciting like you know in the beginning when like the first shot of the movie when you're introduced to graham is fucking great it's like this pan down from the sky and they're sitting on the bench and they're already having a conversation of like hey yeah that was that was awesome you know, it's just fucking cool it's fucking cool it just brings you into this world you know and like Lex, it's very fixer to me, almost. Like, it's very, like, um, almost like we're observing this world, you know, rather than, like, um, this, like, subjective thing, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't really know how to say it, but it's, like... Yeah, I, no, it, I, it I know what you... It's just the It's a really cool vibe. I but, think that's one of the things why this might... hasn't... didn't... kind of was split controversial, because it does have a bit of that removed perspective. Like, you don't yeah, really right, have as right. much of the internal psychological depths get to knowing of the yeah. character they're very um compelling characters and they're really cool characters it's, it's, but you're right it's not it's not that subjective internal perspective i think what i like it's about it removed. is the kernels that you do get are like some of the most exciting things to me like in the movie like when with the family stuff like when you when there's like tension between graham and his wife and then like they have to like go to that house and there's that whole grocery store scene where he tells his son I have to get the mindset of the killer, you know, and like, but it's just like, there's something like, because we don't know this guy, it's like that, there's like this little hint of like mystery, like, like Spoon feeds you this like, oh, whoa, it's, there's something about this guy that we, we, don't, we don't know, you know, there's something deep, and that's what makes me want to continue to watch this guy, on top of being charismatic and, and cool, but there's, they give you, in my opinion, like, just enough to, to, like, care, you know, and, like, be with it, you know, um, instead of just yeah. with the, with the investigation, which is great, but with that, with the character stuff and the family stuff, like, gives you a little bit more to, like, actually care about it. And it's not, like, to Seven's degree, where, like, you Brad Pitt's character, like, you got amazing scene in Seven where they go... Morgan Freeland and Brad Pitt to go have dinner with Brad Pitt's character and Gwyneth Paltrow and his wife and there's that one scene of them eating dinner and they're laughing and you know they get this amazing character you know you, you feel like you know these people there's just this one scene but that ultimately goes crazy and that's needed for the ending to like actually make an impact right if you never met mm -hmm. Brad Pitt's wife the ending of that movie wouldn't really be like it's it would still be disturbing, but it wouldn't be like nearly to the to the level that it gets, you know. The painful, um, yeah, level. So I think it's like I think it's just enough, but I think I that's a good point. I I, I can see someone like when they when this movie first came out was like, you know, to maybe feel like they they weren't you know um, let in enough or something. Yeah, I, I think that the, the quality about this movie is sort of it takes an abstract approach to presenting 
abstract's not quite the right word. It's the it's the looser approach to approaching plot information. Yeah. So it is plot driven, and I think the writing's good, and I think the story's cool. But the difference between it versus Silence of the Lambs yeah. or Seven is that that has a lot of details and they are right. very specific right. at making sure you get the details that they want right. you to get. Mindhunter is way more like you step back, you experience something, yeah. you present stuff, pick up the information that you want and yeah. make your interpretations yeah. of kind of what I you're interested in. I like that. I like that about this movie. Yeah, I really dig that. Because I just, um, because the thing is the filmmaking is so fucking, like, fantastic and it's so vibey and the world is so cool that I just like, I'm just enjoying the guys. Like, this reminds me a lot of, like, Knuckle Man, like, made this movie, Miami Vice, where mm -hmm. I feel that way about that movie. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, more so in Miami Vice, I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. But the vibes are just immaculate. They're just like, I like being with these guys. Like, I don't really quite know who they're talking about or, like, what they're doing. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of into it. But, you know, this movie's different where, you know, I, I can follow it. And I, but the movie, it's so simple, you know? It's like, yeah, you're right. Like, Sons of the Lambs and, like, stuff like that, there are so many details, you know? So it's like, that's what the movie's, like, almost about, in a way. It's like, yeah, you know, obsessing and, with details, you know? And, and that's, I love those movies for doing that. But yeah. it's cool to see a police procedural, especially, which is usually in terms of genre, about especially details. now, that yeah, is right, what right. those types of movies, how those are made. So I like seeing a movie that is about that, yeah. that doesn't take that approach. It's pretty, well, but it still feels like a pretty, like it doesn't feel Yeah, I don't feel like, like I'm the, cheated. Some, you know, I don't feel like it's right. like, you know, I feel like I've got exactly. it back. It's satisfying, you know. I get that detective fix. Yeah, like totally. they solved the right. case. They did it, you but, know. He has his epiphany about, well, oh, he has these videos. Yeah, he has yeah, the video right, exactly, tapes. Right. <laughs> but there's like, there's a thing. There are lines and like 80s moments in this that I just, I thought were awesome. Like even in the beginning, when they're like, when it's like a setup to like a, fucking action movie or something where they're mm -hmm. like i gotta go away you know it's like <laughs> you know like, i just love it it's like so funny it's like so like uh i don't know like a setup that he's about to go to like war but it's like yeah but it's such a cool backstory because you're like oh this is like the life that he lives like this dark that's the good of the mindset of these killers and it, it damages him you know and he has to make sure his wife knows like i'm gonna be going away for a while you know? yeah yeah <laughs> like, i just i just think it's like fun and then there's like moments of like i mean i wrote down there's some sick lines in this movie that i wrote down but yeah even in the beginning where he figures out that uh the films you know he figures out that uh he's seen the films he's like you've seen these you've seen these films haven't seen my man like shit like that <laughs> i just think I, you would think like on paper the fact that he says my man you know like haven't yeah. you seen it haven't seen my man you know like almost like a black exploitation movie like just like one liner yeah, <laughs> yeah but right it works so well I, I just think it's so i'm like yeah man like the vibe is just so cool and like fits really really well yeah 
Okay, so so that's that's another weird weird thing yeah, yeah. about this movie is kind of like the tonal the tonal blending that it does, yeah. where it has like this really disturbing material, but then it almost has a Top Gunny quality right, to it right. sometimes, like which is like the, that's the very strange. Is ridiculously yeah. funny, you know, like it's insane. Like the, yeah. when the actual soundtrack music happens, it's so. Fu- I can feel the heartbeat at the end. That is yeah. the funny, but it, like, I don't know. It works for me. Like, it, it works in this, like, operatic, corny, 80s way, you know? That, like, yeah. But it's not so corny that, like, I'm sick, you know? It's not so sweet that, like, I'm going to throw up from a sugar high, you know? It's like... Yeah, yeah. But it is... But I love... It, it also just reminds me of, like, a relic, you know? Like, this... The music in this movie, I'm sure it was focus group. I'm sure, like, Michael yeah. Mann was like, I don't want this fucking corny pop song, you know, in this movie. And they made him put it in it. <laughs> put it in. But I just think, it, like, it adds, like, a unique quality to this movie. Like, what you're describing is, like, there is, like, this unique thing to this. Because it is dark and disturbing, but it also has this, like, 80s, like, Jerry Bruckheimer kind of like thing to it feels interesting you know yeah so 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 the two pieces of manhunter is that the uh, related to what you're talking about is that you have this innovative piece where yeah. he's starting to have this idea to do this very musically driven vibe centric yeah, almost music video ass type of stuff yeah. Phenomenal, yeah, Yeah, Yeah. phenomenal. Which is like what drive kind of brought into the mainstream, yeah. Yeah. And and I and I was really impressed because uh, because I don't think drive would would exist without this this movie kind of like figuring something like that. Both these films, yeah, uh, drive would or even collateral in in a way. I think, um, yeah, that near noir feel. Even like drive is set in L.A. You know. you know, Collateral is one of the most like cool LA nightlife movies ever made. So like I, I um, the primary thing yeah. is driving. Uh, so uh, yeah, good point. Uh, so like yeah, I actually just saw it's funny you mentioned Drive. Like just saw Drive in a theater uh, a week ago. Um, That's so dope. It was awesome. Yeah, it took Jared to see it in a theater for the first time. So he saw Drive for the first time in a theater. That's so dope. Yeah, like, oh, that's awesome. Jealous. So jealous of that. But so combined with that really, really innovative style that turned out to make a huge impact on the totally. world. Like everyone yeah. fucking loves that <laughs> style. Yeah. Um and but when this came out, people were like, I don't know, it's kinda yeah. cool, yeah. but it's also kinda weird. And that's yeah. also weirded out because it has like the eighties right. like necessary yeah. things that are included in movies yeah. and i also feel that way about the like the family relationship too yeah, it's like this sure. kind of feels it's, like an 80s thing yes. that's injected into for this sure. this yeah. weird crime for movie sure. For sure. um so it's a it's kind of a it's a weird brew it's yeah. a weird concoction of but things I, kind of, um, I just love i just think it makes it work because i just think yeah does it maybe like feel weird at times yeah i'd rather have that though than like a normal you know procedural, you know, that just feels like every other one that I've seen, you know? Like, that's what I kind of really, really like about this movie, because it's, 
It well, feels uh, so deep. <laughs> Different. Well, you you got me you got me thinking about something now because one thing I was going to bring up, which I'll say what I was originally saying, and then saying how you might be changing my mind yeah. about this a little bit. Because one of the things about this movie I was considering was how there's a there's a lot of parts that were initially very boring and uninteresting, yeah. you know, namely like the the relationship parts are more of like the '80s things yeah. that were just yeah. like kind of slow. Yeah. And basically saying, I feel like this movie could be really punchy and excellent if you cut down the runtime. You kind of yeah. trim oh, the fat yeah. I mean, a sure, little bit. Yeah, sure. yeah. That I would love to see a cut of something like that, yeah. a cut of this movie to see how it feels. But now you're kind of making me talk. So that's kind of like a con about it. And I think yeah. probably a, a, a majority of people might be able to, to. I mean, it would still be an innovation if it was just like the neo-noir stuff yeah. with none of the 80s stuff. Right. That would still be an adjustment for people to have to make because that's a that would at the time that would be a new way right. to kind of make things. So it'd be interesting. Would it have been more successful if they cut out more of the no. 80s stuff to it? Yeah. But um, the way you're talking about how, like, as a whole piece, like, the movie is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to have those 80s pieces in there yeah. in addition to those really innovative ideas yeah, that have I been taken I want, you know, and go on to make that. Is, you know, like, I'd rather have those than, than not because it's like, yeah, this is, a, I, I, this is one of the reasons why I love watching older things because it's like, it does feel like a relic of the time, you know, it feels like, yeah. you know. Love it or hate it, okay? Love it or hate it. But at some point, something like, I don't know, an A24 <laughs> masterpiece like Hereditary is yeah. going to feel dated at some point, you know? It's going to feel, you know, like it's just, but I have no problem yeah. with that. I have no issues with that. I mean, this was made at a time, you know? And, like, there's only so many things that feel, like, truly, like, timeless, right? Yeah. Um, that's, and, like, that's, I, that's I, a... I like that. I like feeling, like, you know, that, like, stepping into it. Like, when I watch Scream, it's a perfect movie. You're like, this was made in 1996, you know? Just mm-hmm. the clothes, <laughs> the way that they're, some of the slang that they use. You know, there's some, someone just called a, F word in that movie. I mean, I mean, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But I like that. <laughs> That's what I'm so against. People like Disney. Fuck Disney. The way that they edit their fucking movies today. Yeah. And they cut out lines and they cut out things. I think that is terrible. I think that's an awful, awful precedent. Um, and it alleviates conversations that we should be having. Um, yeah. Like, I think it's better to keep that stuff in for a kid to see and then tell this kid not to say this word for this reason rather than it like teach them a lesson you know rather than looks a little looks like looks like eliminated like it never happened i find that really disgusting um well the other the other hard thing about that is that rather than because you could say you're fixing you're fixing the problem which we know more history teaches us things so in a lot of ways we can fix things that may be problematic but we're also constrained to our time and our perspective so more than not rather than fix fixing something it's more like making it to be what it would be in our time which like what you're says takes takes out the historical relevance and importance of it so you can't learn your historical lessons anymore Enough. People are smart enough to watch, you know, be like, oh wow, this was made a hundred years ago. I mean, like, you know, like, 
it's okay. It could be there. Yeah. It's fine, you know? And I get the conversation. It's an interesting conversation. But you, you, I get the conversation with, like, these cartoons, for example, where kids are watching them primarily, you know? Um, I get that. That's one of the interesting conversations with me. It's like, okay, maybe we should cut out. <laughs> maybe we should cut out the crows and gumbo, okay? Yeah. <laughs> for me... <laughs> I wouldn't do it just because I'm like, this was made in 1945. I mean, if this kid really, if my kid was really like, I don't even know the context of what that would, I would explain to him, hey, this is not, you know, indicative of this race, you know, this is yeah. very racist in a different time. You do some, you do some, you do some but parenting to help out like, with that issue. Hopefully, by the time I have kids and, 2030-something, hopefully. It's like, bro, hopefully we won't even have to have that conversation. You know, like, kid will just be like, Jesus, you know, like, that's weird, you know? Why are they, yeah. you know? But, um, but, yeah, anyway, that's just really it's a tangent, but, um, but that's what I right, like about, like, I'm... but that's why, oh, another thing, Star Wars, George Lucas, doing that, I hated that. I thought that that was Right. Really embarrassing. And I also think it's embarrassing for artists to do that because it shows a really like weird insecurity also with like their own work. Like the the idea that George Lucas would do that was kind of I, I thought embarrassing. So I was like, what are you what are you up to? You're actually making this worse. Like yeah. you're you're making this thing that people love for over twenty years and you're editing it. Like why? Like yeah, it's the, just like the, the for thing... their own insecurity. You're allowed to do that. I'm not saying he's not allowed to do that. You're allowed to do whatever. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. He's very Lucas able to do that. But the the idea that the originals are unavailable and I can't watch the original movies that's what pisses me off. Like these are that's, the that's, yeah, that's, so, the, that, 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 I have to I watch think... Star Wars with shitty dated CGI that you put in the 1997. Like, dude, this movie looked completely fine and had great charm. The original one, and now you made it dated. Yeah, job. that's the, like, that because I'm also thinking about the flip side of that uh, is with Blade Runner, which was enhanced right. by multiple versions right, because right. it got closer to what right. the director's vision is, yeah, which is theoretically watch, you can watch the original ones. You can go back and watch and the original the actual cut. You that's how watch. you fix that problem. Yeah, right. Just leave yeah. all the versions available so you can make your yeah. own discerning Let me watch choice. The original Don't... version of it. Like I like the idea yeah. of multiple versions of movies. That's cool to me. Like I, I like that idea. Yeah. The filmmakers really interested in doing that, but. Um, yeah, like, being like, this so, is the definitive version of the film. It's like, fuck you. No, it's yeah. not for me. Like, maybe right, for you, right. but give you that option. Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, yeah, so, so like, on, with this film, like, bringing it up, with, like, the... Because what's so interesting about it was the mixed response that it got. Yeah, I don't you know. I but don't then know also that, looking at that and seeing how some of these ideas became a massive right, right, part right. of the popular well, styles that's, now. That's, you see that is, all the time, right? You see that where people in a car, like, doesn't really understand something or, or like, um, or for whatever reason, like, Michael Mann, like, I don't think was like, this is going to be the future. Like, you didn't think of anything right. like that. He was, he was just, just trying like, something. Yeah, he, was, he was trying something cool. What worked for him, you know? Um, and then it ultimately became something pretty, 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 influential you know you never know you know might as well that's why you always gotta just 
the interesting thing about the blending of like the 80 stuff and then the neo-noir stuff uh is how like they compile together for the vibe of the of the whole film yeah. because i think because the 80 stuff is in there it kind of creates a tone that's like, well, people who are watching it, it's like, I know what that is, so that must yeah. be what this movie is. Right. Re- without, and kind of miss the point of the innovative stuff, or the right. really cool things that they're doing along along those lines, which is which would potentially be, I'm curious, if this movie didn't have that stuff in it, what kind of response it sure. would have had. Yeah, yeah, because sure, I also sure. think the other interesting thing about this film is it hasn't quite gotten... I don't know if it's fair to say the respect it deserves, but it doesn't. I don't. This film, I don't hear this film talked about I mean, in the same way that a lot like, of his other stuff I is. Think, I mean, it's, it's all the people I follow on Letterboxd have this like four and a half. You know, they, they love it. You know, like pretty high up there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I think it's highly rated on Letterboxd, and, and I think like people like this movie. Michael Mann is interesting. I think it's because he has a movie coming out this year, and maybe that's just. But like, I think people are kind of recognizing, like, how cool the filmmaker, like, he was. Um, mm-hmm. it, well, it still is. It still lies, I guess. But, I mean, yeah, this has an average of 3.8 a letterbox, so that's pretty good. With, with yeah, it only has um, 116,000 views. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty low in the grand scheme of things, you know. And who knows? Maybe if they put Manhunter on Netflix or some kind of streaming service. But I know he is on Netflix right now and it's gotten, you know, I'm sure tons yeah, of Yeah, that's people. how I watched I it. I wanted Justin to watch it for the first time. Um, so I think a lot of people are getting out. So that's how a lot of these kind of older movies also get eyes is that um, they get put on streaming services and stuff like that. Yeah, but, that's, um, that's, 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 that's a great point. What will happen with this yeah. movie. But I, I do think, I do agree with you. I think we're talking about like Hannibal Lecter stuff. This movie should be talking about because it's very cool and, and interesting to, to look at, you know. And it's fun. I, just, I think this is fun as hell. I, I have a great time watching this, you know. Right. And a- another thing about the film that I like, but I can again see being something that would push people away or turn people off, is that rather than having the really. Uh, a, f- a vision that is executed and yeah. perfect like something yeah. like Heat is. Yeah. This yeah, has sure, a much yeah, more yeah. investigative right, right, right. trying shit right, right. type of feel. Let's put these weird things together rough around the edges. Yeah. But yeah, it also has that quality too it's where pretty... it doesn't feel random yeah. and haphazardous. Yeah. It's just it's just kind of raw yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, That's what I, I like it. I mean, I think like I just I I prefer like meat raw. No, I just yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But uh, so I kind of like notes are insane because I just wrote down a bunch of shit. Um, what was oh, there's a sequence that I just thought was fucking incredible. So like after he talks to Hannibal Lecter, that's a cool scene. But he gets mm-hmm. like really disoriented and he like runs outside. Oh, that was cool. And then yeah. He looks on the balcony, he's, like, having a panic attack, and then he has a shot of, gra- like, grass, and it, like, grabs oh. him. Like, it, like, calms him, like, yeah. looking at the grass. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I was like, that was really cool. And he's literally, like, grounding himself. Literally. You know? Yeah. I thought it was very... <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I just loved how another, it was edited. Very cool. Uh, and another another kind of a budget way to get a cool effect. The other thing that 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 sequence makes me think about is how he edited together the the wheel oh, the the flaming wheelchair oh, coming yeah, down the yeah, driveway. That was awesome. J- yeah. Just a reaction shot, essentially, yeah. which is is a very. This film was kind of made up with the guerrilla filmmaking kind of style, and that's yeah. kind of like an example of it. An unpolished quality yeah. that to get a to get an effect, essentially, yeah. but really very well, simple though. means. Very cool. Uh huh. And I like that. Yeah. Uh, so again, cutting to grass creates meaning through montage. Exactly. Um, I also thought I just thought uh, Goller Hide that his name was. The Tooth Fairy. Creepy as fuck. I just thought... Yeah, he's great. He, Tom Newman, uh, was so creepy in that role. And I really liked his character, like, a lot. I thought his character was so disturbing. And so... I liked that he... You know, just what got... One of my favorite in the movies, that montage, where he meets... Um, What's her name? Reba? Is that her name? Reba. Yeah, Reba. I think it's R E B R E B A. Is her name? Her and like that whole montage of them going to the his apartment. His house. Like, it is yeah. so like unsettling. And also, that's a moment where I thought the eighties music really, really, yeah, was really cool because that's the contrast. Of something like that, like this eighties, like really corny music that we that we um associate with cornball. I mean, just it was like it's like synth hair metal, fucking it's corny as fuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that paired with this really disturbing too, like really was like I was really into that like contrast. I love when like uh. That's one of my favorite things in movies where, like, people can use pop music in this way and, like, um, just, like, real, just, I love the, co- even, we talked about Slither, one of my favorite scenes in Slither was, like, that scene when he first starts inseminates that girl with his new, chat, you know, new stomach, his worldly stomach. Oh, but it's, oh, yeah. But it's cut with, like, this honky-tonk, like, major key, like, just... You know, it's yeah, really yeah, interesting. Yeah. I really like when people use music in that in that way. It like really unsettles me. <laughs> um, just really works for me. But um, yeah, I thought that that whole there... thing was really cool. Also, there's a there are moments in this movie that feel totally surreal. Um, when he yeah, when true. she ta- when he takes her to the tiger. I feel like I'm gonna dream watching that. Too. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I I completely forgot that happened. That like, was feel, extremely bizarre. But so effective because it's yeah. like getting you in the mindset of this this guy, this like world, this like area. It's like using cinema to really create this like uneasy, weird, surreal feeling. You know, like really push you on edge when you're with this serial killer. You know, right, um, and and uh, not to scene. mention that the whole the whole Reba sequence is kind of like this weird roaming interlude yeah, in between right, the exactly police right. stuff, where we just kind of follow this guy, and it's just like, why is this happening? Why is yeah. this relevant? Yeah. Um, 
Um, yeah. But yeah, and that's and that's something that, that you, again, it's it's also in a, in a big way because he has that he throws this like a capsule to her and then when he is creeping on her and then sees that guy, you know, go up another very surreal he, moment. Yeah, that he kills one. him. Yeah, you know, it's fucking terrible, right? It's terrifying. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love that whole stuff. Again, the music and all that was so fucking cool. And the cinematography mm -hmm. again, like. Throughout this whole movie is like super on point. I just love the color palette and whatever film stock they use. Just looks fucking cool. Just looks fucking beautiful and really, really cool. Um, one of the funny things I wrote down is like when they go to the well, they're at the house to like hide his family, you know, because they, you know, they're after you think the certain right, they after him. Finds his address. Yeah. And, uh, they go, they're like, I'll take him to the grocery store and get some groceries. <laughs> and then, so, he tells him this insane story. Like, he tells his son in the, in the cereal aisle, I get the lion's of these killers <laughs> to understand. And then I was put in the psychiatric ward. And then you and yeah. your mom came visit me. I'm like, wow, this is a cool scene because I just love how he's revealing this to his son. But then you think, what a weird time to do this. You're buying, yeah, you're buying raisin bread, and you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you the story right now. But I laughed so hard, and this is an intentional laugh with me. After he tells him the story, his son goes, so what kind of coffee do you like? I was like, that's really funny. Like, that is hilarious. Um, and so, but I think it really works, too, because it's like this, and that kid played that scene really well, where there's like this, um, you know, weird, it's a weird thing. Like, he's, you can tell he's affected by it. It wasn't like a total joke where he's like, didn't even hear it. Uh, yeah. You can tell he's affected by it, but it's like, um, all right, we're moving on, you know? And like, and I just like, I, I, I like that it like is, it leads, I, it kind of leads you up for kind of, um, interpretation by the end of it, because you don't really know how the family dynamic is going to go, you know? Um, yeah. It ends in a very, like, Hollywood, like, we got him type of way. Yeah. My heart Back will with beat, the girl. My heart will beat <laughs> on for it. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is cool, and, like, I like it. It fits the vibe, but, you know, like, if I was, if I was, you know, writing a better movie, like, we probably should have ended like this, you know? Because the last... A more creative ending well, somewhere that, in there. Well, creative, yeah. but, like, more you know, in line with the story, you know, because, like, he just murdered a man, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and this whole movie is like, man, it's so hard, this job is hard, it's like, about him, you know, that's, this also, this movie also has a lineage of, like, probably the greatest movie the world we ever did, around Rotland, called The Long Goodbye, it's absolutely mm. masterpiece, it has a lineage of that movie, too, and there's, like, this, um, I love the, you know, the torment of, like, him, where it's like, well, he has these dreams. I also love the scene where he's on the plane, and he has, like, all the brutal photos. Yeah, that was a cool and scene. Awesome and the, the girl scared. Yeah, I thought that that was really cool. I liked, that reminded me a lot of Seven, and Brad Pitt's character, like, this obsession, this, like, insomniac, almost, of, like, of these guys who are trying to investigate what, the, what it does to them mentally, you know? Like you said earlier, they're at surface level, but it works for this movie, you know? It's like very, yeah. you know, it works. Um, you don't feel like, I, I never feel like I was like, 
need it more, you know? But while the end, I'm like, ah, like, like, this is gonna, this is gonna affect the family more, you know, like, after this movie's over, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not yeah, all yeah. Roses, so, you know? That, you're making me appreciate that grocery scene more, but that was definitely one of them that yeah. was like, I would be happy if this was cut, sure. mostly. I, um, and, but what I was I also, also thinking about... what he says, actually, sorry, but there's a, there's a line in that that I love where he was like, um, I'm trying to build feelings in my imagination like a killer hound. Which I really, oh, I thought yeah. that, that was a really cool line. Uh, that is just, a cool line. Just build feelings in my imagination like the killer had. This is like such a wild, like wild thing to say to your six-year-old child. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but the the other thing about that scene, I'm kind of, as you're talking about it, I'm realizing, I think, why it didn't have as much of an effect on me is because of the, of it coming in 19 coming out in 1980s and movies about the subject yeah. matter was right. not common yeah. that this shit was so tame so seeing right. a person be so cripplingly affected in a way that's not as cripplingly effective if i've seen other characters who have been affected by worse shit yeah. it's kind of like what's the big deal about mm. but like, yeah. i'm remembering about how disturbing and out and un out unusual something that talks about stuff like this really yeah. was in 1986. Oh, yeah. So that um, so that that kind of distress and that the emotional states would be is very different I mean, than you, how you like we would experience stuff now. He basically seduces her. In a, in a, so that was okay. Well, here's something that was here, fucking weird for 1986. That was not. Here's another interesting. Here's another weird thing that I'm just realizing is that it's the dollar hide stuff does not feel dated to me at all. His no, creepiness no, is like off the no. roof to him. No. It's just the reaction of Will Graham. His right. performance right. and his experience of this stuff right. feels kind of dated. Right. I don't quite know why, but that feels well, I true. Well, because but, you have things like Seven that are famously Seven was a script that were like that producers called like hellish. Like they called mm. it like. Like, it was the most disturbing thing I've ever read. And they were like, this man needs to be in jail. Like, yeah. whoever wrote this. <laughs> I mean, and like, you get it, because it is absolutely horrible. I mean, the ending yeah, of Seven is, I mean, if you haven't seen Seven, like, get out of here. But, uh, like, the ending of Seven is so fucked up, like, to this day, that, you know, you can tell in 1995 or 1993 when they're reading the script, like, dude, we can never make this. This is so upsetting for audiences. Like, they had this, still this line set, and they still, to, to, to this day, to an extent, but they had this line set in, you know, the 80s and the, and the 90s that can't leave the audience feeling upset, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think the, I think it's a more interesting movie and a more, especially if you're making a movie like this that wants to be truthful, you know, to, like, end in a more truthful way. So this movie kind of like borders on that. There's some amazing shit list, but also it's like it does take the eighties route. That's the eighties thing, right? It's like the Right. Not going as, as deep as it, it could, you know? Because it's trying you to make know, money also... and, and have people walk out of the mall happy, you know. I'm also I'm thinking about Silence of the Lambs again because one of the reasons why that was such a yeah, good that, recipe for of, a popular yeah, right. movie. But um, is that you have the deranged serial killers in that who are very unstable, very scary. But Jodie Foster is a very stable right. 
right. well, like yeah. her mind is even. Yeah. She's straight in the head. Yeah. Uh, and she's affected by it, but she always is business yeah. on the job. Uh, Will Graham's character, I think, is played kind of like that, where yeah. it's supposed to be this place like, of order and stability. Bottling it up, right? Like, but his character, it, it feels a little less authentic because his character is more deranged. And yeah. I think that now, in this context, that character would be pushed so you would have the deranged yeah, right, serial killers right. and then a deranged main character, right. too. Which now we know audience likes that shit. It'd you know, like, we, we get all about that. Like but in like the parallels, 80s... You know? Because I mean, like, yeah, I mean, as cool as the idea that he's trying to get the mindset of the killer is, I mean, there's a lot more you could go with that, you know, and, 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 in our day and age, you know. But in this movie, right. it's kind of like more like an aesthetic, cool thing that you know that is weighing down on him, but it's not like showing you how it's more concerned with like the vibes, the investigative stuff, and I think all that stuff works, you know. Um, but it is Which, you know, an, an, it's making me appreciate, I was talking about this, is making us appreciate this movie even more because it, it's, again, another like stepping stone of right. figuring out that type of thing yeah, right. that's done in seven, yeah, you right. know, and like the adventure is like, I'm going to make it yeah. really fucked now. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to push that even right. more. Right. Uh, that was kind of starting to break the mold yeah. in a form like, like this. Didn't want to upset, uh, upset audiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, didn't want to, yeah, make audiences walk out and be upset, you know, like they, they wanted to have a good time. And then, but, with that, I'm glad that this movie does that because we wouldn't get moments like uh, when he goes to the diner and uh-huh. one of the coolest, I remember this one. coolest things. It just looks amazing. The score... Yeah. I, the, the, I'll just write what I wrote in my notes. I said, God, the scene at the diner rips. Holy hell. And it was when he looks out the window and it's like raining, it's, it's just you and me, sport. And the, oh, and I the remember rain, that. The rain, the music, the I'm like, goofy. fuck, yes. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> it's so good, but it's so aesthetically beautiful. And, like, so, it's so moody. It's so moody. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know, just moments like that, like, I just, that's the best of the 80s, in my opinion. When there's, like, when those shit, like, works, it just works on this great, like, corny, goofy, fun level, you know? Um, and then we got to the 90s and we were like, brooding and Nirvana is cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then 2000s, like, wow, Bubblegum is good. This is insane. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but... Uh, that's, um, a, that's, that's a really good point because I'm, I'm curious now how, how I will feel when I rewatch this movie again. Because I actually yeah, am remembering I, yeah, I can't that remember I, what I felt like the first time I watched it. But this time I was I've like, actually seen this movie line. before. I watched this movie when I was a lot younger, and I didn't oh, like wow, it at all. Uh, um, I thought it was boring and didn't, like, it just didn't mean anything. Yeah. It had no impact on me, and it was just slow and boring. Um, but uh, I totally didn't feel that way the second time. And now the third time, I'm interested with kind of what you're talking about of how to approach the 80s stuff. Because yeah. I think that um, with the first viewing... The dollar high, you know, the the disturbing stuff is so strong yeah. and stands out so much yeah. that those other moments kind of feel um, like bad juxtapositions, yeah. you know, weird blending of stuff that just should be more in tone with the dollar yeah. high stuff. I think it but it's, I think it's, it's like I think it's a fun vibe. I think it's cool. I think it's it's an interesting. It's a cool argument. I think it's, yeah. I just think it's 
exciting. Like, I don't, there is no good and bad, right, in these, in these ways. So it's kind of like when you're talking about vibes and fucking feelings, it's like, I just get a cool feeling out of it. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. if, I, if I cut that out, I wouldn't get that cool feeling that I just had. You know, so it's like, yeah. Oh. I mean, I want that in, you know? Like, sure. Is it kind of weird and, like, not really with the rest? Some of the darker stuff? Yeah, but I, I think that's what makes this movie unique and interesting. You know, this movie's 40 years old. What are we going to do? <laughs> that's wild. I mean, what are we going to do? Like, go back and uh, re-edit really Manhunter? Wild. Like, I don't really... Yeah, right. This is just, this is just, <laughs> it's been existing, uh-huh. you know? Um, so, yeah. uh... I think that way. Yeah, the, that's how I. The, I think could, the value, the yeah. value, the interesting question of of unpacking that, because I think you're right. At the end of the day, you should just approach it and experience like what's there. Yeah. The interesting question I have is like, can you identify why this was a mixed response? Yeah, and I, I think that's that. why. I mean, I'm sure that that's, I'm sure that that's one of the reasons. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that that's one of the reasons. I'm sure. Was this like critically? successful or is it not critically successful? it was mixed okay so, so it was it was respected for um the music drive how yeah. there was such an emphasis on the music and emphasis on mise-en-scene yeah. and like on atmosphere right, and stuff right. like that but there's I criticisms think, on it leaning on that too much essentially what's funny is I can't, there's not a lot of movies that i can think of around the 80s that were kind of doing that that were more emphasis on like i don't know like I don't know, um, maybe there are. I mean, I like movies like that. I mean, I, I just watched The Beach Bum. Jesse, I couldn't tell you what the fuck. Like, <laughs> if you told me to trace the plot, I'd go, go fuck yourself. Like, I would literally be like, you're a moron for even, like, wanting to do that. Like, it's just like yeah. not understanding the point of the movie at all, you know? It's like the point of it is to enjoy the vibe, the characters, the funny situations that's it it's not nowhere no at no point at all in the beach club are they asking you to follow what happened in the previous scene to care about the plot point that happened it's like dude right this is it's not even asking you to do that you know um it clearly isn't you know this is a movie about well, a guy you... who's high all the time like like you know so it fits the vibe of the movie it's a stoner movie but anyway but i like uh, but, movies like that but this is not like that uh, this is plot really but it's but 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 it's but it's weird though because yeah. you're right it has a connection to something like the beer the beach bomb right. so it's yeah, it's it's long is like that also so with with a with a movie like this coming out in 1986, I agree that it doesn't seem like something that has a lot of comparisons in that time. Like it doesn't, it, there's not a lot of comparable movies that are like it. Which is why yeah. I think that like if I was 25 and I was in yeah, in, in 1986, yeah. uh, then then it would be like I think <laughs> Manhunter would. Uh, Manhunter would be like one of those, probably like one of my like this film is super yeah. super sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I would have like huge amount of respect for it, um, and I still do now. Yeah. But it's but okay. So but what's so weird about it is that in one ways Manhunter is really eighties dated and yeah. goofy, but in other ways it's like this it is, shit yeah. is yeah. like forty years ahead of yeah, everything. Right. Yeah. Forty years. Yeah. It's so. So it just yeah, knew what was cool like before that. the world did. I mean, that's like um, great. You know, that's like great, interesting thing. I mean, you can look at something like, either like, an American Werewolf in London and, and be like, 
Yeah. Wow, there's a lot of gaming shit in it, but there's also, like, really innovative stuff in it, you know? Um, that movie's you know, dope. I love there's, that like, movie. Very, there's only, like, maybe a handful of movies, like, 2001, where you watch them and you're like, when did they make this? I have no idea, you know? The only thing in 2001 yeah. that feels dated is, like, the monkeys. You're like, there's guys in monkey suits. Uh, but, yeah, uh, right. That's the only thing, you know, they're timeless movies that are, like, timeless throughout, you know? You're like, that's, that's insane. Especially, like, a studio movie. Because part of it is, like, that they're catering to audiences in the 80s, right? Well, yeah, they like, right. They the, you know, you know, that's what, that's what it is, the 80s movie. Same that's happening today. I hate to say it, but everything, everywhere, all at once, it will be dated. There will be parts of it that will feel dated, you know? Yeah. Um, and it will. And that's not a bad thing at all. I don't think that that's... I don't even think... I think that's completely neutral, you know? Unless well, yeah, it's, like, what's, what's... Um, problematic and, and, and can't enjoy it, you know? Like, some of those problematic and, and things, like, uh think And things aging and becoming dated is uh, is a natural process of things, you're right. And I think that, like, dated has an interesting connotation that you can take into... Because what, what I think you're talking about is interesting. Because I when I think of dated... It's like the elements of the films that were okay in that time, but that don't yeah, work right, as right, well right. anymore, yeah. right? right? But like with something like Double Indemnity, Indemnity for right. example, or like classic, um, uh, like Citizen Kane and yeah. stuff like that, that's dated in a sense where it's in a place totally. in history, but everything in that movie, in that context yeah. of that movie, still works. Yeah. They weren't relying on anything, which is why I might have more hope. So there might be dated elements of everything everywhere at once, yeah. or well, yeah, uh, stuff no, like yeah. that. But nothing could like I don't, I don't really think like a movie could be good or work for an audience in nineteen forty five. I think there's not a lot of movies. There's few movies that exist where like this really worked in 1985 and was like critically acclaimed and then it, people watch it today like this doesn't work at all like i don't think that there's a lot of those um yeah. i'm sure that there's some comedies and stuff um i don't know like weird science where you watch you know today and you're like yeah this could never get made today this is one of the most sexist movies i've ever seen in my entire life um, right. But people loved it. Teenagers loved it in the eighties, you know. Um, so yeah, there's definitely examples of things where you're like, "Yeah, this is dated and this is." Uh, but also for for us though, I don't really. Care. I mean, I didn't grow up in the eighties. I don't know what the eighties was like. I, I wasn't yeah. watching movies in the eighties. Who am I to say that this is? You know, all I can say is like, yeah, I mean, like this is feel like movies do today, you know, but talking, you know, I would have a better judgment of what's dated in 2045, you know. Oh, yeah, you know absolutely. I mean. um, but, yeah, but um, I guess the other thing that's interesting is, like, with the matter of perspective with movies is that we don't realize that we kind of, in our movie experience, we kind of select the things that are interesting and kind of the other things kind of almost go in the background a little bit. 
So with like, there's this phenomenon with like old movies, um, like let's say from the '90s that like our parents or something go back yeah. and watch them, or even us when we were younger, we watched these and we noticed like the really sexist parts yeah. that we legitimately did not notice. Yeah, right. That if you ever talk to anyone about that, you would not say yeah. those things because you don't pay attention to it because you because all movies were like that, yeah. and you never had a context for those not existing right. in those movies. So it's weird then when you have a context where those things are then identified as being inappropriate in a real way, then you're like, dude, I can't believe I never thought that yeah. way about these old movies. And that becomes a dated kind of phenomenon right, right, along right. those along those lines, which is an interesting thing about uh, a movie like this, which we, we yeah. which we can kind of uh, see those elements kind of like popping up where certain yeah. things are shining out that you might never think about in the 80s. Well, like the opposite all, of that ever. is like you have, that's why like people who are like actually like cinephiles True Blue, fucking to the bone, are really important because they they kind of like poke out either movies from older that feel uh progressive that people are either like listening yeah. at the time, you know, um and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Completely opposite, where something came out in the eighties and was completely, you know, misjudged or or mis, you know, didn't even biggest flash but today is so much more relevant than um, than, it, than it was when Eagle was made, you know? Um and those are really yeah. interesting. And, and some of those like we don't even know about, you know. Um I'm sure yeah. they're still being discovered to this day. Um but that's why the criterion collection's cool and, Yeah, exactly that's and, what I was thinking about. Like that's that. why restoration is um, dope. Restoration's incredible. Like just for example, like one of the movies I saw on Sundance I saw a restoration of a movie called The Doom Generation that was directed by Greg Araki, and it... Blue White Melon is not the correct... Like, it altered my brain chemistry. Like, in the way of, yeah. like... <laughs> I can't believe that this existed in, in the 90s, and I can't believe I've never seen it before. Like, it was yeah, that yeah. audacious and punk of a movie. It, made, it honest to God, made, like... Reservoir Dogs look like nothing. Like it, I was That's like, crazy. I can't believe that this exists, and I didn't know about it. So you see shit like that, you're like, wow. I mean, just oh my god. Like it was so gay and so outwardly <laughs> <Yeah>. gay <laughs> and uh, so violent and just didn't give a fuck about what it wanted to do. It's true indie film, true indie, indie yeah. film. And you're like, I can't believe that this was lost, and it's so cool that. There's going to be, I'm sure, I think it was just added to the Criterion channel. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, audiences are going to rediscover this, like, really insane movie, you know, ahead of the side movie. I had no idea what the fuck that was, you know? And Greg Araki in general is a filmmaker that made so many, like, progressive, like, outwardly gay movies in a time in the 90s that was, like, so, like, new, you know? It's like, if Greg Rocky was putting out movies today, he'd be like hailed as the, you know, like fucking Orson Welles, you know? Um, yeah. But he's, <laughs> but he's made, I mean, he, in a certain, you know, uh, audience, in a certain, like, pocket of, like, cinephiles, he is hailed as, like, a really important guy, but, um, like, you know, you have amazing examples like that. I, you know, I, that's one of the most exciting things ever when you watch, like, a, Older film or something, and you discover something like, holy, I had no idea that this existed, you know, and no one cared about it, you know. Um, it's, it's cult films, you know. 
Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think this is fucking cool shit. And, uh, yeah. like, really and part of, rewatchable also. Yeah, and part of the reason, another reason why it's cool, for all the other reasons we've been talking about, is that this movie has both sides of the spectrum we were just discussing. Yeah. It has the dated side that's kind of interesting to investigate, but then it has, like, the cult... Right like side to it of like cult brilliance and innovation that that's right behind it but yeah i i was i was kind of hesitant uh because i had that vague memory of not liking this a long time ago but um it slapped it was a great watch i i i enjoyed it they're looking forward to ferrari that comes out this year that he directed um with uh adam driver as Enzo Ferrari about the um, story of the man who created the Ferrari. I mean, it's the first movie in a while, like 10 years. Um, That's so interesting. That. And I, know he, I wonder what brought has, him out of his shell. I don't know. I mean, look, that story is fucking. If you read up on the Ferrari thing, it's insane. Um, interesting. Fascinating. I have no idea. Yeah, it's a fascinating story. Um, I mean,. Yeah, I mean, any story about, like, someone who created a unbelievable cultural, you know, just, like, yes. icon or, or like, a product, you know, I've watched that. It's pretty interesting. Especially a Ferrari. Also, what makes me excited about that movie is, like, Michael Mann's one of the most, like, kinetic filmmakers around. So if you can, like, yeah. tap into that, make, like, these car scenes, like, so, like... You know, oh, yeah. fucking blood curdling and awesome, you know, like, that could be really exciting. That's also, I just think he's a really cool filmmaker to tell that story, also. Um, yeah. So, I'm excited, I'm excited to see it. Um, well, but, that's that's cool, because another thing I'm realizing, that this podcast has solidified me as a Michael Mann fan, for, uh, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Now, because yeah, yeah. I had not really, ex- well, I guess I liked Collateral before, but now, you know, I... Now I like a lot of his movies, yeah. so that was sick. Um, my, uh, Manhunter, cool, cool pick. That was time to spin pick, the right? wheel. Yeah. Yes. So you spin this time. Um, I'm gonna it, make a, I'm gonna make a, a rule right now. Uh, since it's okay. October, <laughs> if I get a horror movie, I have to choose. We it. have to. Oh I boy. To okay. It. All right. Spinning the wheel. First movie, a horror movie. <laughs> called <laughs> The Hitcher. Really? Yeah. I think it's a horror okay. movie. Okay. I mean, the poster looks like a horror movie. Called The Hitcher. Okay. 1986. I think this is a cult, like, horror movie or something. Uh, All right. The tagline is Never Pick Up a Stranger, so that sounds awesome. Uh, oh, I've heard about this. Really awesome 80s fuck poster. Yes, I've heard about this. Who's who directed that? Robert Harlan. Who also made I don't know why I fucking know that. So. Um, okay. Uh, I've heard that. about that movie. Then we have Man on, Man on Fire, which I saw years ago, and it's funny as hell. It's Tony Scott and like Denzel Washington action movie, like vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty entertaining. I remember it's entertaining. Um, a bigger splash. This is uh, Luca Guadagnino, who made you know Call Me Iron Man. This is scary, like Bugs and all. Um, this is like his 
I'm going to leave you there before I call you out of there that I haven't seen. Um, Interesting. Oh, then we have Witness for Protection, which is a Billy Wilder movie that came out <laughs> in 1957. Um, which is cool. Billy Wilder is... That's a guy I need to watch all his movies. Uh, yeah, I don't know filmmaker. much about him at all. Billy Wilder? I probably, like... like double uh... Deputy. So like I do know a little bit about uh, this guy. <laughs> the whole, the apartment, a lot of good movies. It um, turns out I do know Billy Wilder. <laughs> I'm gonna roll again. Okay. That's, this is a. Ooh, ooh, one of these is interesting. Uh, <laughs> the Informant. This is a uh, Steven Soderbergh movie starring Matt Damon. I love Steven Soderbergh. I love Matt Damon. The only re- the the real reason I added this movie is look at the poster. I've seen that. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, that's movie <laughs> Zero Dreams and Susie. Never, I know that one. Never seen this documentary. Uh, I've always wanted to. And then The Dead Don't Die, which I guess is a, uh, a, uh, a horror movie directed by one of my favorite filmmakers, Jim Jarmus. I love pr- that and movie. I'm pretty sure this is the only Jim Jarmus movie I have got. That's pretty cool. So that would complete like Jim Jarmusch. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the next one is Planet of the Apes. The original <laughs> Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I uh, haven't seen, I've only seen snippets of that. I don't think I've ever seen a full movie either. Wow. Yeah. What's it gonna be, big boy? Let's do the, the Dead Go Guy. Because uh, I'm sweet. very excited to watch this. Um, I've wanted kind you to of watch bu- that movie ever I'm since kind of I saw it. That, uh, we're doing another one where we've seen. Let's try to next week make sure that we watch one that we both have not seen. Okay, that would be fun. a stipulation. Yeah. That'll be a stipulation but for next week. Guy, uh, they're excited to see that because Jim Jarvis is one of our filmmakers. Um, so we, I'm excited to talk about him. Um, Alright. We've gotten this far. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.